lecture fourteen part two of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture fourteen the humility of faith part two our divine lord calls faith the work of god this is the work of god that you believe in him whom he hath sent st john chapter six verse twenty nine he likewise calls it an attraction of god when doubts were raised among his hearers about his saying that he had come down from heaven he said to them murmur not among yourselves no man can come to me except the father who has sent me draw him st john chapter six verses forty three and forty four st paul also calls faith the gift of god by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves for it is the gift of god ephesians chapter two verse eight it is the first great gift to the soul and the preparation for all the rest but faith is informal and imperfect without the gift of charity which quickens it into life and gives to it form and perfection hence st paul says we in spirit by faith wait for the hope of justice for in christ there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision but faith that worketh by charity galatians chapter five verses five and six for what avails it to know god unless we love him it will only serve to our condemnation faith without charity is dead as st james teaches who therefore requires the works of charity to prove the life of faith st paul has described faith in these words now faith is the substance of things to be hoped for the evidence of things that do not appear hebrews chapter eleven verse one the word substance is here open to two senses both in themselves true and both beautiful if we consider faith as it dwells in us then as the commentators observe we must give to the word the hebrew sense of foundation as the bones are the foundation of the body the truths of faith in the soul are the firm foundation in us of the things to be hoped for for the light of those truths believed though not seen is a reflection of the things that we hope for but if we consider these truths objectively as they are in god and of which the image is in a certain way in the light of our faith they are the light reflected from the substance of things in god for which we hope but which in the time of faith we cannot see until faith is absorbed in the vision of god st paul has himself explained this word substance a few sentences before where he says to those who have suffered the loss of their earthly substance for the faith knowing that you have a better and a lasting substance do not therefore lose your confidence which hath a great reward for faith is necessary for you that doing the will of god you may receive the promise hebrews chapter ten verses thirty four through thirty six this would seem to indicate a substance not yet received 
but which remains to be received the substance or object of faith as it dwells in god yet there is a certain subsistence of these things in the soul in the faith that gives us the firm conviction of them and this st paul describes as the evidence of things that do not appear the greek word elenkos used by st paul is much stronger than the word argument used in the vulgate or the word evidence used in our version it signifies a convincing argument demonstration or proof this proof or conviction is contained in the three elements of faith already described the first is the light of faith in the mind which is thus described by st paul god who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of christ jesus but we have this treasure in earthly vessels that its excellency may be of the power of god and not of us two corinthians chapter four verses six and seven the second is the outward teaching of the church delivering to us the form of sound doctrine that accords with the inner light of faith received in baptism the third element is the inward grace by the help of which the will adheres firmly to the truths of faith and st basil defines faith to be the unhesitating and approving assent given to the truth of the things proposed by the divine gift these elements of submission to divine authority and of inward light and grace helping adherence to the truth revealed constitute that inward subsistence of truth in the soul that firm and assured proof captivating the mind and make those things for which we hope and which we desire already to be after a certain manner in the mind and the heart for we already see them as st paul says darkly as through a glass being even now conscious of their existence the substance of things to be hoped for says st bernard is no fantasy of things inane the word substance will not allow you to take liberties with the faith to dispute at will or to wander here and there among vain opinions and diverging errors the word substance implies what is fixed and certain it fixes you within certain bounds and keeps you enclosed within certain limits for faith is not opinion but certainty whilst then the things that we hope for have not their substance in the soul but in god they have a subsisting foundation in the soul in their light grace and truth and st thomas has expressed this in his definition of interior faith as being an act of the mind essentiating the divine truth through the ascent of the will moved by grace the great theologian explains this by a similitude the things to be hoped for are like a tree still hidden in the virtue of the seed through faith they already exist in us in a certain way as the tree exists in a certain way in the seed or we may use this comparison a certain beaming into our eyes of light reflected from mountains in the distant horizon gives us an obscure impression of them and travellers from that region give us a detailed information respecting them 
we know then that they are no mere clouds or illusions because they abide always and are always the same so in a general light given to our minds we see the objects of faith which we know in their clear and certain outlines and distinctions from the testimony of god in the teaching of his church the more we give our mind and will to them the more do they grow upon us become clearer and more vivid harmonizing most beautifully with each other and also with the wants and desires of the soul so that they are constantly infusing greater light and serenity a joy in the truth a consolation in believing a calm peace and a great hope and this hope and serenity grow in proportion to the conformity of our life with the faith revealed to our conscience after st paul has described the heroic faith of the great saints of the old testament he says of them all these died according to faith not having received the promises but beholding them afar off and saluting them and confessing they are pilgrims and strangers on the earth for they that seek these things do signify that they seek a country hebrews chapter eleven verses thirteen and fourteen but to us who have the grace of christ and his very presence these things are not afar off they are nigh and even at our doors the sublime effect of christian faith is to make living and present to us the eternal mysteries of christ which are perpetually renewed in the body of christ which is his church and all the faithful partake of them and they become the living things of our heart and of our love the soul of the faithful one is actually clothed with christ as st paul intimates in various places he says as many of you as have been baptized in christ have put on christ galatians chapter three verse twenty seven and to the romans the apostle says put ye on the lord jesus christ romans chapter thirteen verse fourteen and elsewhere he speaks of the faithful as having the sense of christ one corinthians chapter two verse sixteen but they who have the sense of christ are not far from him the grandeur of those divine things that are in such contact with us that though we see them not in open day we feel them close upon us cannot fail to make us sensible how utterly unworthy we are of the divine condescension and goodness like the saints of old we feel ourselves strangers and pilgrims in this low and sensuous world but unlike them who could only salute the eternal mysteries from afar we feel that nothing but the yet unregenerated body that invests our soul and the stains upon the soul keep us back from beholding them in open day and we are inclined to exclaim with st paul unhappy man that i am who will deliver me from the body of this death romans chapter seven verse twenty four we will now give two descriptions of the faith one from a very early writer of the church in which we may contemplate its sublimity another from the authoritative catechism of the council of trent in which we may consider its practical value 
but let me first invite the reader to reflect on the origin of all truth the eternal word of the father is the personal truth he is the enlightener of all intelligences and the revealer of all truth who revealed the mysteries of god to the angels and then to man he revealed all truth that was made known to man from the beginning and then he took the form of man to perfect his revelation he is the light of the truth of all things heavenly and earthly and gives reason to man and to the humble man the light of supernatural truth he enlighteneth every man that cometh into this world and when he described himself he said i am the light that hath come into the world st john chapter one verse nine and chapter twelve verse forty six after a preface on this character the book on the divine names proceeds as follows god the word who is the very truth is the infallible knowledge of all things but divine faith is the abiding firmament of the faithful founding them in the truth and the truth in them so that the faith of truth becomes one with those who believe even as iron placed in the fire becomes one with the fire and operates as the fire operates for faith is said to act as well as those who hold the faith and who believing in a certain knowledge that is simple have no division whatever and no doubt because knowledge unites the things known with those that know them whilst ignorance is the cause of division with the ignorant nothing therefore can move him who believes in the truth from the household and firmament of the faith but according to the apostle he who is in the darkness of ignorance fluctuates in error and is carried about by every wind of the wickedness of men like those who are tossed in a tempest and they imagine that those who possess this knowledge are out of their senses as festus said to st paul when he heard him preaching the truth much learning hath made thee mad but the christian is one who knoweth christ and hath through him the knowledge of god he hath the one knowledge of truth this knowledge is outside the world being by no means concerned with the science of the world or the errors of unbelievers and knows itself to be sober and free from wide wandering infidelity wherefore they who have this knowledge die daily for the truth and are not only daily in peril of death for the truth but as approved christians they die to ignorance and live to knowledge from the catechism of the council of trent we select the following paragraphs as conveying a solid instruction as the end proposed to man is his beatitude and as this end is far above the reach of his natural understanding he stands in need of receiving knowledge from god this knowledge is faith whose virtue causes us to hold firmly to that which god has delivered and which the church sets forth for as god is the very truth the faithful can have no doubt of those things of which he is the author from this we understand the great difference there is between the faith we give to god and that which we yield to the writers of profane history 
but though faith has a vast comprehension it differs in its degree and dignity in different persons for in the sacred scriptures it is said to one o thou of little faith why dost thou doubt and to another great is thy faith and others pray increase our faith and it is also said faith without works is dead yet these different degrees of faith are of the same kind and are included in the same definition nothing contributes more to confirm our faith and to strengthen our hope than to keep our mind fixed on the truth that nothing is impossible to god for after understanding the omnipotence of god we readily and without hesitation assent to whatever he proposes to our belief however great however wonderful however above the order and measure of nature nay more for the greater the truths proposed by the divine oracles the more readily the mind assents to them and if any great good is to be expected the greatness of the gift will not discourage the soul for she is animated and strengthened with the reflection that there is nothing which god cannot do with this faith should we strengthen ourselves whenever we have any great work to do for god or for the service of our neighbour or when we ask some great favour of god in prayer our lord has taught us the first of these lessons in rebuking the slow faith of his disciples if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed you shall say to this mountain remove from hence to yonder place and it shall move and nothing shall be impossible to you the other lesson st james has insisted on let him ask in faith nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea that is moved and carried about by the wind therefore let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the lord the faith also brings with it many advantages in the first place it forms the soul to modesty and humility according to the word of the prince of the apostles be ye humbled under the mighty hand of god it admonishes us to fear nothing where no cause exists for fear and therefore to fear god alone for our saviour says i will show you whom ye shall fear fear ye him who after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell by this faith we also recognize and honour the benefits of god to us for whoever thinks on almighty god can scarcely be so ungrateful as not to exclaim he that is mighty hath done great things to me as humility is the receptive foundation of the christian virtues and faith their positive foundation humility must precede faith for the obstacle to faith is pride and pride is removed by humility which is the first disposition of return to god then faith is by its very nature a subjection of the mind and will to god as he is the sovereign truth a subjection to his divine authority as the illuminator and teacher of the soul and the subjection to the truth which he teaches by revealing moreover as a test and trial of this subjection to him 
god is pleased to require that this subjection of faith shall be openly made and manifested before all men by our open submission to the church which he has appointed to represent his authority and to the voice of her teaching and to her ministry of grace as exercised in his name and by his power this is not only faith but the humility of faith because it is the subjection of the mind and heart to the authority of god and to his truth in the way that he imposes and prescribes adam first lost his humility and then his faith he first aspired to be as god in knowledge and then disbelieved the command of god humility must remove pride and open the soul that the grace of faith may enter the grace of faith subjects the soul that the light of faith may illuminate the soul this order of returning to god is vividly exhibited in the order in which the catechumen enters the church he is first subject to a twofold discipline that of humility and that of instruction for this reason st cyril of jerusalem in instructing his catechumens on the nature of faith warns them that humility is the key of knowledge an expression also used by st augustine the catechumens were kept for a considerable time under a humble discipline they held the position of humble petitioners for the faith they took the last place in the assemblies of the faithful and were commanded to withdraw during the celebration of the divine mysteries when after due probation they were admitted to baptism they were asked what they sought of the church of god and they replied that they petitioned for faith they are then submitted to exorcisms to expel the proud spirit of evil before receiving the illumination of faith the whole process plainly shows that the grace of humility is the preparation for the grace of faith but when faith is received with hope and charity they perfect the grace of humility what prevented such numbers of those who followed our divine lord and attracted by curiosity heard his words and saw his mighty power in his miracles from believing in him our lord himself has proclaimed the three causes of their unbelief their pride their love of this world's interests and their human respect and he proclaimed the two conditions which would alone enable them to follow him as disciples and to become members of his kingdom these were humility and self-abnegation he says unless you become as little children you shall not enter into the kingdom of god st matthew chapter eighteen verse three and blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven st matthew chapter five verse three after a terrible rebuke to the cities on the lake of gennesaret and after all his miracles worked in the midst of them they had not humbled themselves and done penance that they might receive his truth christ turns to his heavenly father and says i confess to thee o father lord of heaven and earth because thou hast hidden these things from the wise and prudent and hath revealed them to little ones
st matthew chapter eleven verse twenty five those cities were commercial in which men were absorbed in traffic and gain and he speaks of the worldly prudent and the wise in their own conceit from whom the light of truth was hidden even when present before their eyes and of the simple and humble as the little ones to whom that light was revealed both heard the truth from the mouth of god both saw the miracles of god but the souls of the humble were opened to his light and the souls of the proud were closed when jesus healed the sick man in jerusalem who had been five and thirty years on his bed of infirmity it was the sabbath day and for this reason the jews persecuted him and when justifying his healing on the sabbath day he said my father worketh until now and i work they sought to kill him because he said god was his father making himself equal to god then he said to them rebuking their unbelief i know you that you have not the love of god in you i am come in the name of my father and you receive me not if another shall come in his own name him you will receive how can you believe who receive glory one from another and the glory which is from god alone you do not seek st john chapter five verses forty two through forty four christ is speaking to the doctors of the law to the men revered in israel and he points to their own hearts for the cause of their unbelief they sought not god but themselves not his glory but their own the parable of the sower who sowed his seed is professedly the parable of faith the rocky ground on which the seed withered up is the soul that is obdurate with pride where faith cannot strike root the thorny ground is that in which faith is choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of life and yields no fruit st luke chapter eight verses five through fifteen these two obstacles are removed the first by humility the second by self-abnegation end of lecture fourteen part two